Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 917 with Steve Brown. We're going to learn something here. And you may not work for me forever, but what I'm going to teach you for Mm. free, what I'm going to teach you for free, you'll be able to use the rest of your life. Yes. And when you want to go open your own restaurant, you're going to have way better tools than I had when I started mine. Yeah. And I'm not charging you for the education. Mm. I'm paying you Mm. to, to, to have the education. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Pop Menu. Trying to meet the demands of in-person hospitality can be demanding, which is why I recommend Pop Menu Answering. Pop Menu Answering turns every restaurant phone call into an opportunity. It uses artificial intelligence to answer the simple questions that are tying up your phone lines like, can I make a reservation or where are you located? And over 50% of restaurant guests are happy to have their questions answered by an automated system. Prevent lost customers and impress your guests with pop menu answering. And for a limited time, my listeners can get $100 off your first month, plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. Go now to get your $100 off for your first month and to learn more about Pop Menu's full collection of tools at popmenu.com backslash unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro, and they are launching their first time ever 60-day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant System Pro software and setting up the systems for your restaurants. Fred will teach you recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, it, more butts and seats, and that's not it. If you are interested in this, head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And I have to say, I haven't come across a restaurateur using Seven Shifts that hasn't been completely satisfied. Trusted by over 500,000 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the complete toolkit you need to easily manage your team's schedules, timesheets, communications, tasks, tips, and more all in one place. And because you are restaurant on Unstoppable listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, El Presidente of Esparza's Steve Brown. Steve, are you feeling unstoppable today? <laughs> Every day. Yes, man. I just uh, recently interviewed Chris uh, 
Schoenberg. Schoenberg. I'm always afraid to say this. So many names I've come across in the past couple of days. It's, it's overwhelming. He had such amazing things to say about you in our interview yesterday. Oh, wow. Okay. Not to mention just everybody who's here at the Restaurant Systems Pro Elite Group. Just just so much admiration for you and what you're doing. I've just heard so many stories. Uh, I, I can't wait them to come out of your mouth and to hear how you got to where you are today. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you got for us? Um, <clears throat> I've been going by this for years. Doubt, pout, or do without. Doubt, pout, or do without. What is, what is the meaning of that? I mean, just go for it. You know, doubt yourself or you sit around pouting. Or if you do, you're going to go without. Yeah. Or just go just go for it. Yeah. You know? I like to say there ain't nothing to it but to do it. Yeah. And there's a lot of truth to that. Just just yeah. don't spend time doubting yourself or or pouting or worrying why you don't have the same opportunities as somebody else. Right. right? Just just make it happen. Exactly. Is that what it, is that what it means to you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, the other one would be uh, the more you put down, the more you pick up. Mm. So, and that's kind of a gambling reference. But, what is, yeah, what does that mean? But gambling, you know, what is what is opening your own restaurant really? It's a gamble. It's a big ass gamble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, I, I, my mom was. She just recently passed, but she used to tell me that's all right. She she told she always told me I opened my restaurant when I was twenty five years old, and she always liked to tell a story about uh, my dad saying, you know, I could never do what Steve did at that age, and I said, you know what, mom. When when Dad was twenty five, he already had three kids. Yeah, you know, I was single, no children. You know, it's easier to gamble when you're young. Yep. And the only thing I was really going to lose is a little bit of money and a whole lot of ego. Uh, so you got to do it. the restaurant business is a young person's business. Yeah, because it's so time consuming. Not just that, but the the time you spend on your feet, the energy that goes into yes. it, the hours you pull, right? You know, especially early on where you don't have the resources, you have to do a lot of the heavy lifting yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So, so the, is the message there? Like, listen, like I started a, a restaurant at the age of twenty five, but you started a family at the age of twenty five. You had three kids. Yeah. You know, like, well, it's it. Yeah, it's 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 different for everybody, but yeah, you really have to. It's easier to do it early in life. You know, I didn't have any debt. I didn't have any anything. Yeah. And if I lost, who's even going to notice? Yeah. You know? So what was going on in your life prior to 25? Were you working in restaurants? Oh, yeah. No. Okay. So I got my first job in a restaurant at uh, 15. Okay. And uh, So you're a veteran by the time you were 25. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, I'm 15 years old, and I, I, I want to get a job so I can buy a car when I get my driver's license at 16. And so I start looking for a job, and I end up getting a job at a Mexican restaurant about a mile from my house I could walk to work and back and uh my first my first job was as a busboy uh and that's the name that's the reason I have a corporation named busboy restaurant group keeps you humble right Mm -hmm. never forget where you came from Mm -hmm. and uh, also I even have it on a a license plate on on a personalized license plate on one of my cars it says busboy on it I love that yeah uh it's good to remember where you came from yeah so 15 to 25, you're working as a busboy. I'm sure you weren't a busboy up to the point where you opened your restaurant. No, I basically worked through that. that it was a family, a small family restaurant. Uh, they're still actually open in Dallas. They've been open in really? 52 years. What's it called? Ojeda's. Ojeda's. O-J-E-D-A apostrophe S. That's a family name. 
They've been in Dallas since 1969. Okay. In fact, I still go down there eat there eat there because I still know the family. Um. Uh. So I, I got a job there as a busboy, but then I ended up, you know, I ended up working in the kitchen. I want to I want to work on the line. I, I bust tables. I I dishwashed. Uh, I worked the line, uh, the cook line. Uh, then eventually I they put me up front as a host when I was like 16, and then. Um, when I turned uh, 18, I got to wait tables. Uh, you had to be 18 to serve alcohol. Um, I graduated high school, and um, they were asking me if I was going to, if I, if I intended to go to college, and I said no. Um, and their idea was to, to, to make me an assistant manager, and, uh, but they didn't want to offer me that job until the semester started they didn't want to influence my decision to go to school or not to go to school, which is, you know, that's pretty good, pretty good on them. Right. Yeah. Um, cause if, if you got a kid that thinks he's going to be a, a manager and he can just skip college, <clears throat> I had no intention of going to college. So I why had, was that? Why was what? Why didn't you want to go to college? I hated school. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even in high school, I went, uh, my senior year out, there was a work program and, uh, <clears throat> you could basically go to like two hours of school, and then go to work and, and work was part of your credit. So in my senior year, all I needed was uh, senior English and, um, and this work program credit to get, have enough credits to graduate. Yeah. So I went in at seven thirty. they called it zero hour. Yeah. And then I went to uh, senior English and then I had an accounting course, but I quit going to that after <laughs> about six weeks. So I was at, I was in the restaurant at eight, at 17 by like 10 AM. Yeah. My whole uh, senior year. I think there's a lot of pressure in the school system today to put kids through school straight out of high school. Um, or or just generally speaking, you don't need to go to college today. There's so much you can learn. Yeah. It's not for everybody, but there's so much pressure that the school system puts on young people to go to college. Do you right. think it's what do you do you have thoughts on that? Do you have well, opinions on that? I don't have kids, so I didn't go through this with yeah. with any kids. But I I find more and more that these kids, it's gotten so expensive for these kids to go to college. They get out of school, they got a four-year degree in whatever, may not even be something that's that valuable, and they're hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. I'm $200,000, okay. so I was $200,000 yeah. in school in debt. So, you know, and I, and I had a, I had a little bit of, because back, I'm, I'm 62, so I graduated high school in 78, and virtually everybody goes to college when they get out of high school. Yeah. And the handful of us that laid back and didn't go to college, when our college friends would come home for Christmas break or summer or whatever, and the first question is, where are you going to school? And I was almost embarrassed, you know, to say, I, 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 you know, I'm not going to school. Yeah. Know? It was, you know, but I didn't want to go to school. I hated school. Mm. Well, I think that's part of the thing is that the school system, the culture that we live in is, yeah, you feel embarrassed. You feel like less than if you don't go to school. Right. But there's just so much opportunity today uh, online. And, and the thing is, like, you graduate college, you're $200,000 in debt. Everything you do thereafter, 
just going back to your school, like you, it's so hard to, to get out of that hole when you don't have a lot of money, when you're not making a lot of right. money. Right. So anyway, I don't need to make the whole conversation about that. But I mean, I, I, I encourage more people not to go to college, not necessarily ever, yeah. but like you don't have to go straight out of high school, figure it out, go right. work, go figure out what you want to spend the less, the rest of your life doing. And then make the investment if you need a degree. Sure. And if you, if you talk to, if you talk to people, I mean, there's obviously some professions you're not going to do without a degree or yeah. multiple degrees. You're not becoming a doctor without a college exactly. degree. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, multiple college degrees yeah. or, or an attorney or whatever. Yeah. Whatever. You fill in the blank. But most of the people I know, whatever they're doing for a living, if they have a college degree, most of what they know now is what they learned after they left school, mm-hmm. not while they were in school. Right. So it's a piece of paper. But, you know, nobody asked Steve Brown where he went to college anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. they just see the, the restaurant. Knocks. Yeah. They yeah. see the restaurant and they see the success. Maybe they assume I went to school. Maybe they assume I didn't go to school. I don't know. And I don't care. And you are a success story for sure too. So it's a you know living proof that like you can put your head down. You don't, you don't need to go to school. Like you, you can work your way to the top. It's totally yes, possible for sure. So 15 years old, you're busing, you, you do some time on the line. Uh, you know, in the kitchen, and by eighteen, you're 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 waiting tables. You're serving alcohol. Um, any lessons the Ohada family taught you about the business? Any, like, what what did they teach you? How did they set you up for success? Um, you know, they just it's customer service. It's uh, family t- treating your employees, you know, properly. Mm. My employees, I've got. I'd have to do the math, but I probably got at least a dozen that have been with me over 20 years. Yeah. And, and you're, you hear people talk about their, their work wife or their work husband. It's because you spend so much time at work, uh, especially in my industry. Um, you become family. I mean, I have, I have people that work for me that have known both my wives and 20 girlfriends in between. <laughs> you know, that's how long they've known me. 20 years, some of your employees, I've heard. Over 20, 20 years. yeah. I've got, got a handful over 30. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And I, I'm at the point now where, like, I have my, my bar manager, Abel Flores, has been with me 30-something years. And now his son works for me waiting tables. That's so wild. we're a second-generation employees. That's wild. Yeah. And, I mean, that's family. When you get to see people grow up and their kids grow up, that's what... What is that if not family? Right. You know? Exactly. Um, so any other restaurants between Ohada's and when you're 25 years old that you worked in, or did you take a break from restaurants at any point? I did take a break from restaurants for a little while. Um, and I actually worked in the, uh, in the, uh, liquor, beer and wine business. Okay. Which also so you're still in food and beverage. Yes. We were actually selling to restaurants and bars and that's where I hooked up with my former partner who I met working at Ojeda's and he says, I'm trying to open a restaurant. And I said, well, how about you and I do it? And we did. You know, it took took a few months, but we found the spot where we're at, where I'm at now. I bought him out 22 years ago, but okay, uh, first first 15 we were partners. So you're from when did you get away from Ojeda's, and when did you open? Uh, probably 19 or 20, and then opened a restaurant when I was 25. So okay, so you had about um, four years of working in sales. Yes, right. Yeah. Um, so let's go back to Ojeda's because you were talking about how they taught you how to treat employees. And uh, do you have a, a, like a specific story, a specific example of something that stands out that they did that kind of set the bar for you? Uh, 
this is going to be this is going to be a negative story. Sounds like, but it turns into a positive. Okay. One. Um, I'm 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 15 or 16 years old. I'm I'm bussing tables, and this was back in the day when it, people actually carried cash and paid with yeah. cash and tipped with cash. And one of the waitresses accused me of stealing her tips, which I did not do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, Ben Ojeda, he was a big, big man, uh, like larger than life. Yeah. Uh, for a Hispanic man, he was really large, t- height and weight, very intimidating. But he was really a teddy bear. But as a 15-year-old, you're like, oh. Yeah. So he brings me into the office and he says, so-and-so says you've been stealing tips. I said, Ben, I, I, I don't steal. He said, well, I'm going to have to let you go. I walked out of there crying, man. Uh, yeah, you <laughs> And I got to go home and tell my parents. They like got fired for stealing, which you did not do. Right. I got to go home and tell my parents I lost my job for stealing. Yeah. And and I, and I told my dad, and he said, did you do it, son? I said, no, dad. He said, you need to go back and tell him you didn't do it. And you want your job back. Talk about something that's really hard to do. Yeah, I can imagine. Very intimidating. You're still, is this when you were 15? Or yeah, I think wow. I was 15 or 16. And I go back and I sit down in the office with him. And I tell him, I said, Ben, I did not steal tips. I'd like my job back. And he was like, man, that had to be hard for you to do. <laughs> yes. I said, yes, sir. And so he gave me my job back. And if he had, who knows? You know, I might be, I might be, I don't know where I'd be. You know, I might be, I might be, uh, you know, bartending at Chili's. I don't know what right? I'd be doing. It's, it's weird how these little things can multiply or just like trip, like ripple effect. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, you don't know where you would be if you didn't have that experience. Um, did he ever tell you why he gave you your job back? Was there, did it ever come out as to? Well, I mean, obviously, he thought anybody that would come in, come in there and just a young ask kid. for his job back. Yeah. And, and tell him he didn't do it. Yeah. He, he just, you know, he believed it. Yeah. So he, he gave him a job back and, you know, I worked for him another four or five years, learned basically the restaurant business from the back of the house to the front of the house. <clears throat> and that's what, you know, kind of was the impetus of me. And uh, it, even at a young age, I know I wanted to own my own business. I yeah. didn't know it was going to be a restaurant. Yeah. Certainly didn't know it was going to be a Mexican restaurant. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, it's just kind of the, the path that life took me on. Yeah. Is there an underlying message here or lesson? That we need to, that we can pull from this experience in your life. Uh, just you know, just don't give up, don't quit. Yeah, and you know, stand up for yourself. Yeah, they don't, they, you know, people don't fail; they just stop. You know, if you keep trying, you're not failing; you're just learning. Mm. You know, so just you know, just keep pushing forward. Uh, too many people quit before they realize their dreams. Yeah, you know. I love that. People don't fail. They just stop. That's so appropriate with the name like Restaurant Stoppable Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Right? I didn't even think about that, but yeah. Yeah. They, it's they, so true. They quit before they before they get to the dream. You know? It's about resilience. It's about getting back up. It's yeah. about learning from those failures or those those fall downs and just like, okay, check. <laughs> like no, Noted. Don't do that again. Right. right? So, okay, fast forwarding. Um, you're 24 years old, about to be 25. In that time, you're, you're talking about opening a restaurant or you were 25 when you opened your restaurant mm-hmm. yeah um <clears throat> reflecting back at where you are today and the success you've had today and to give a little teaser 
as far as the success you've had to this day, I've heard that you've done over a million dollars in margarita sales in a year. Yeah, I used to say that. I used to say that, but I'm actually, I've grown so much in the last. I was doing a million dollars a year in margaritas when my restaurant was doing four million dollars. My restaurant did six point four million dollars last year. Wow! So I haven't run the I haven't run the numbers. One point five million, probably one point five. Yeah, yeah that's probably one point five. Yeah. So that's a little teaser for the listeners. Just in margaritas, and I actually trademarked years ago uh, the margarita capital of Texas, and I, it's on my business card. It's on any advertising I do, uh, and I don't do a lot anymore because I've been around for thirty seven years. But I do I do put stuff in the local uh, hotels mm-hmm. because those people don't know who I am. Mm-hmm. And I do a pic. I, I show them a picture, the picture of the front of my restaurant because it's in an old house. Mm-hmm. I want them to know this is not a brick and mortar highway chain location. This is a very. This is an independent. It's very unique. And um, and then you trademark the Margarita Capital of Texas, and they're like, "You're from Chicago. You're from New York. You're from L.A." And you're in a hotel that's two miles from the Margarita Capital of Texas. Where are you going to go for dinner? The Margarita Capital of Texas. Right. There's yeah. a Chili's wherever you live. So you're not going to Chili's, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's been a great ride. And, yeah. yeah. So knowing what you know today, reflecting back at that man you were, that 25-year-old man you were, just getting started, take us through that journey. Like, tell us, like, what? Reflecting back at that time, like who were you? What were the like? What was it like for you? Young, dumb, and full of enthusiasm. You know, <laughs> uh, you, you don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it it was scarier to me when I opened additional restaurants five, ten, twenty years later than it was to open the first one uh, because the first one I did with almost no money. Um, I had, uh, I think I opened that with $47,000. Um, you can't do that anymore. You know, no subsequent restaurants, you know, you're borrowing three, $400,000 or I, I had one that I did in Fort Worth. It was a massive mistake that was cost me at least a million dollars. Um, that was not a Mexican restaurant. It was a different concept. Uh, it, it, you know, I joke that I say I don't have an education. So I talked about the, the bus boy license plate. I also have another card that had, has a, a personalized license plate that says no EDU. No EDU. Yeah. So, What's, uh, no education. education. Okay. No education. <laughs> so, but the truth of the matter is I've had, I've had million dollar education because when you make those kind of mistakes in the, in the restaurant business and it costs you that kind of money, that's a very powerful oh, yeah. education, right? Yeah. An expensive education. Yeah, on, on a non-formal education. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So what was it? Take, like, put yourself back in that position back when you're 25 years old. You said you graduated when you were 78 or in Se- 78. Yeah. Um, so you're 18 years old. Right. Plus seven. The year now is 19, 1985. Yeah. That was when you opened your first restaurant. May 1st, yeah. Yeah. So... W- Thinking back at how you did it, what you did, what things do you know now that you wish you knew then? Oh, man. Probably everything. What were the biggest challenges for you? Uh, so uh, you're, you're here with this group from Restaurant Systems Pro. Yeah. Uh, they, I got involved with them maybe a dozen years ago. Okay. My strength was always um, front of the house. Uh, I worked in back of the house, uh, but I wasn't a numbers guy. I was a people guy, so I, I, I could work the room like 
very few others. And if you're in the restaurant industry, you know what work in the room means. Yeah. You know, I'm meeting and greeting and, you know, kissing the girls and hugging babies and, and telling old ladies they're pretty and, <laughs> you know, whatever it took to make them feel at home, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, at this point in my life, I, you know, I have families that came in with their children that were small when I first opened or the first five or 10 years, they're all grown and have children of their own mm-hmm. and they're still coming in my restaurant. Um, so the front of the house was, was my strength. You know, I guess I, if my dad gave me anything, it was great BS <laughs> and you know, BS is important. Yeah. Uh, you just, you just got to be able to, to, to work the crowd, you know? Yeah. Um, so all those things I was really good. I could get you to come back to my restaurant. Mm-hmm. We had great food and we had great service. Uh, what I was really lacking is the, is the, uh, attention to detail, the numbers. Yeah. The numbers. The, yeah. I wasn't a numbers guy. Yeah. I'm know? right there with you, man. I'm the same way. And I feel like I'm resonating with what you're saying. Cause I've always been the same. I, I love being a host. Even when I've worked in my time, in the restaurant industry, my favorite position of all time was host front of house yeah. lighting up when people walk in and just showing them how much you care, how excited you are to be there, being proactive, being ahead of needs and right. anticipating those needs and getting that instant gratification when somebody's happy with you, like yeah. that reward of like, you're happy. Right. That's all I need to see. Like yeah. that's the kind of stuff. Is that resonating with you? Oh yeah. 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 So I would, uh, I got this from a guy I met early on in my in my career. He had a restaurant on the lake, and he taught me the trick of, uh, you know, when you meet somebody, you know, and you talk to him, you find out their name, you find out their kids' names, whatever you just talked about, go write it on a go write it on a a, a cue card, you know, their name, you know, maybe what they did for a living, whatever you talked about, what their kids' names were, and just stick it in a in a in a file, and when they come in again, you're not, maybe you don't remember their name right when they walk in the door, but you go back to the office and pull that card out. And then you go back out and you talk to them and you, 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 you talk to them like you, you know, all of that and remember all of yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah. It's a CRM customer relationship management. It's, yeah. it's, it's not software at this point, but it's a filing cabinet. Yeah. Who taught you with that? Was that just something you did on your own? Uh, well, the, the guy, the, uh, the guy is, I can't tell you his, his name was Pete something. He had a restaurant on the lake, and it was called Sneaky Pete's, and he taught me that trick. Yeah. I mean, so I'm, today, about, I'm about 25 at this time. He's probably in his 40s. Yeah. But he taught me that trick, and I used it, and it worked magically. It's like your Rolodex, right? Today exactly. we call that open table. You yeah, know? Like right, it's, right. Those, the tools are more accessible or readily accessible than ever before. And yeah. It's just having a database of information about your guests. So when they come back, you can remember the conversation you had. You can remember that they just came back from their, or they're about to go to their daughter's recital. You can say, how was the recital? Or, you know, like you, yeah. the, the little details, like take the time to write these things down, to collect the data, not just the email and the phone number, right. and, but like the relationship. That's the difference between like, uh, you know, as independents, it's, it, it's, it's tough. Yeah. You know, and we're going against the big boys, you know, almost every restaurant is a chain. Uh, but what do you do to separate yourself? And you're not going to get that when you go into a chain restaurant, but you will get that when you go into my restaurant. Mm. My, my general managers have been with me. They have actually this very similar story to mine. I have two GMs there. They're brothers and they both started with me as bus boys. 
and now they're now they're managing a six million dollar year restaurant. Wow! And they worked their way up. They did the same thing. They did they did the kitchen. They did waiting tables. You know, hosting all of that. So even when I'm not there, and I you know I don't work as much as I used to. I used to be you know seventy eighty hours a week. I'm there every day, but I'm not there every night anymore. But my staff now, the one especially ones with me a really long time. Everybody knows Abel behind the bar. Everybody knows Mundo behind the bar. Everybody knows Gabriel and JD, the managers. Uh, I have wait staff that's been with me 15, 20, 25 years. Yeah. So they're going to see a familiar face even if they don't see Steve at the front door. Yes. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day is relationships. Like you come back to a place because you not only is the food consistent, but the people are consistent. Yes. And you have roots there the relations right yeah and that's it's pretty rare because the restaurant industry is pretty high turnover restaurant yeah know, industry and and i went through some of that especially post-covid yeah you know, I've, I've lost a lot of people and hired a lot of new people um but i still have the the, the core the you know base of like 20 people that build maybe 20 plus years but those are your culture carriers as exactly chris um oh his last name is escaping me schoenberger no, no. uh a past guest uh schwartz Chris Schwartz, I apologize, Chris, if you're listening to this, but he was the COO. He came up with Starbucks. Um, then he went to Mod Pizza, helped Mod Pizza scale to like 400 oh, wow. lo- locations or whatever it was. And now he's with Voodoo Donut doing the same thing. And his where he specializes is, is scaling culture, which is really hard to do. You can scale businesses, the brick yeah. and mortars. You can throw money at, at tangible things, but how do you scale the culture? True. And what he said was, you have those culture carriers. You have those people who've come up who are a part of the original stores and they, they, you inject them into that store and they are the example. But when you, when you're in one location for 20 plus years, you have people working for you for 20 plus years. Like you don't need to be there every day because you're, they're not just coming to see you anymore. Like you have these people 20 years, so you can get a new wave of employees and they're going to, they're going to have all these other employees to look up to because they've been there for so long. They set the standard. Yeah. So one of the things that, that happened to me and it's been a while, um, I went and opened another location and anytime you do that, you're, you know, you're burying yourself in that location to yeah. make sure it succeeds. Yeah. And in doing so, I was kind of ignoring my original location. Mm. Wasn't spending hardly any time there. My employees actually felt, you know, like, you know, I abandoned them. And I spent so much time trying to get this new one off the ground. This was 1997. Um, 19? 1997. Okay. Uh, and I let my general manager, uh, I don't know if I let him or if it just happened, but my general manager, that restaurant became his culture, not mine. Mm. And that wasn't a good thing. And I eventually had to, I had to go back and let the guy go because the culture wasn't good anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just turned it into... He had a favorite, favorite employees, and if you weren't one of his favorite employees, you got treated differently, and it was a disaster, and I didn't realize what was happening because I wasn't there all the time every day. So this was in 97? 1997. So how many, uh, how many restaurants have you opened all together? Uh, two, three, four, four. Four. And when, when was the second restaurant that you opened? 1990. 1990. So when 85, f- 1990, 1997. And then I did the burger joint with a friend of mine over in Fort Worth at, oh boy, I don't know, 2015, 2015 somewhere in there. Recently. That so, was that was the 
that was a disaster. Oh, is it? That was a, that was a million dollar mistake. Oh, <laughs> so but again, it's, you know, I learned a lot. Yeah. Well, we'll get into those chronologically. Um, so I think now's a good time to take our first break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back to kind of start to unpackage the journey and really drill down. It's no secret that restaurants have been hit hard over the past few years, which means restaurant owners and staff have been working harder than ever. Trying to meet the demands of in-person hospitality can be demanding, which is why I recommend Pop Menu Answering. Pop Menu Answering turns every restaurant phone call into an opportunity. It uses artificial intelligence to answer the simple questions that are tying up your phone lines like, can I make a reservation or where are you located? And over 50% of restaurant guests are happy to have their questions answered by an automated system. With the Pop Menu platform, you can customize answers for your restaurant and you can choose the voice your guests hear and even send follow-up links via text message pop menu answering picks up your phone 24 7 365 days a year allowing you and your team to focus on what matters most prevent lost customers and impress your guests with pop menu answering and for a limited time my listeners can get 100 off your first month plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. Go now to get $100 off for your first month and learn more about Pop Menu's full collection of tools at popmenu.com backslash unstoppable. We're back, and I'm curious. So you mentioned you opened this restaurant with a partner, right? Yes. How did, how did you guys split that up? Were you front of house? Was he back of house? Uh, that's the way that was the way it was supposed to be. He was, yeah, he was back of the house, and I was front of the house. Yeah, and that lasted about two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Okay, so he wasn't there for long. No, he was still there. Oh, he just forgot where the kitchen was. Oh, <laughs> he was he was too busy. He was too busy working the front of the house and telling everybody he was the owner. And, okay, and it was his it was his name. So, uh, my name's Steve Brown. We're not going to call it Brown's Mexican Restaurant, no. right? His name was Johnny Esparza. Okay. So we called it Esparza. We wanted to sound like a family-run yeah. business. In retrospect, that was probably a mistake because it made it very very difficult when, when the partnership got sideways. So when did the partnership get sideways? Uh, so we opened in 85, and then we opened a second location not far from the first location because we were so damn busy uh, in 1990. I really didn't want to do that where we did it. But you're a 50-50 partner. You sometimes just acquiesce because it's not worth the fight. Yeah. And um, we opened that one. And it was successful, too. They were both successful. We are making money. Um, but he, he was a very difficult person. Um, Is he still around today? He's alive. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's not in the restaurant business anymore. Gotcha, gotcha. So we were together for 15 years. So 2000, things really getting rough between the two of us. Yeah. And... Uh, we had a, we had a customer that was an attorney, and I called him. I said, "We can't do this anymore." You know, Johnny wants to fight physically, fight me. Um, you know, it's just it's not going to work. We got to we got to do something. We got yeah. you know. So we had the two restaurants, and um, you know, I I just told him, you know, to make it look like a fair deal. I said, "You can take this restaurant and." A bunch of money in cash. The 1990 restaurant. Yeah. yeah. Or you can keep the original restaurant, which we own the, 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 
the real estate. Yeah. You keep the reserves and you give me this much cash. Yeah. Well, I knew he wasn't going to be able to come up with any cash. So he had to take the opposite deal. Yeah. And plus he wanted the money. Uh, so I finally, I finally bought him out and he, he operated the second location under the same name in the same town. Wow. Yeah. For about 13 months. Okay. And then he went broke because he didn't, he didn't know what he was doing. Okay. Uh, he, he was not, uh, he was not financially, you know, savvy. Well, neither were you according to your story. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I knew not to spend more than I made. Yeah. The basics. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah the yeah, discipline. Right. Yeah. So what was that like having two restaurants, two separate owners, two, essentially the same brand, but two separate operations. Was that stressful during that, that 13 month period? Uh, well, after I bought him out, I, you know, the, I was free of stress. Yeah. <laughs> I just get him out of my life. Yeah. And, uh, and you knew it was a short term life where the other, he wasn't going to, I knew he wasn't going to make yeah. it just cause he just, you know, he, he actually, we all need people. We don't, we don't have to know everything, but the things we don't know, we hire somebody to help us with. Yeah. And, there's a lot he didn't know and then that he didn't need, needed me for. Yeah. And when I wasn't there, you know, it, you know, he just, he just ran it into the ground. So what are the lessons about this that you learned that like, well, what, for anybody listening to this, who might be opening a restaurant with a partner, what are the questions they should be asking themselves? Man, I, I, and I had this conversation with a, another friend of mine who, who's had his restaurant 20 plus years. And he was talking about the original agreement he made. He's involved with uh, one or two brothers, uh, but he's the restaurant guy. His brother's a real estate guy, and they're getting to where they they need to move out of the, the building they're in, which his brother owns. And he was telling me, you know, a lot of things like, "Man, I wish I would have done this and done that," because he has a very small piece of the real estate and a very big piece of the restaurant. So when this real estate sells, he's not getting much, but his brother will. Uh, in hindsight, he wished he had a different agreement. So. Mm-hmm. I said, Mark, don't feel bad. You know, when we're when we're young and we just want to get our own business started, we, we'll agree to anything. anything. We'll agree to anything, <laughs> yeah. and we don't even know what a good deal versus a bad deal. Right? Is. We don't know what yeah. we don't know. Yeah. And so, I actually had a, a, a my partner, and then there was a, my brother in law. It wasn't a lot of money, but he put up thirty seven thousand dollars, and he we all owned a third of the stock. And it was a very, very poor agreement. Uh, we ended up buying him out at, at about a year. Uh, and he was unhappy and probably a little mad at his younger brother-in-law. But it all, it all, we, we, we have a great relationship now, but it was rough. Mm. And, then, and then Johnny, I had partners. I was partners for 15 years. And then I got rid of him. And I, you know, after 15 years of business and both of us being in the front of the house and greeting everybody just thinks Johnny and Steve are pals and business partners. And, and then all of a sudden you're not business partners anymore. And, and the questions obviously come up. Um, you know, what happened to you? What happened to you two guys? You know, I thought you were buddies, but thought you were pals. And, and I, I used to tell them, uh, you know, a 50, 50 partnership is a lot like a marriage except I never did love the son of a bitch, you know? <laughs> so, uh, it's difficult. It's difficult. And I, you know, I said I would never have another partner again. Uh, and, and I've been pretty true to that. I did the burger joint with a, with a guy, but I had a decent agreement. It just, it just wasn't successful. It was a failure. Yeah. And, um, but 
you know, just if you don't have to have a partner, don't have a partner. And if you yeah. do, you better have a, a, an ironclad agreement about, you know, what happens if things get screwy. So if you're going to a partner, do you have that in your mind of what that ironclad agreement looks like? Do you remember what you did for the burger joint that you, we can replicate? Oh, boy. Um, I don't remember. We can cross that bridge when we get there in the, the timeline because okay. this is 1990 that this goes down, right? 19, you open in, 1990, I opened the second location. 2000, I bought my partner out. 2000, you bought. Okay. So, wait. So, that. So, in 1997, I go open another Mexican restaurant. Not with the original not partner. Not with my original partner. Okay. He's still my partner in the two locations in Grapevine, Texas. But I'm tired of his, you know what? And I want I want to open another restaurant, but I'm not I'm not going to drag his fifty percent dead weight ass with okay, me. Okay, so you're so let me just make sure I understand. Nineteen ninety, um, you open a second location. Yes, you're at one location, he's at the other location. Pretty much, you say, okay, this isn't working out. You either take one or the other, and I'll take one or the other. So he took the newer location. You're yeah. focused on the original location, right? That location doesn't work out, but he still owns fifty percent of the original location. No. Okay, that's why. So okay, so 1990 we opened the second location. Yeah, and that that helps because we're not in the same building with each other all day every day. And you're able to go five more years. I'll go with uh, 19 till 2000. Okay, till 2000. So 10 years, but eventually it gets crossways, and I keep 100 percent of the original location. He keeps 100 percent of the second location, and I give him a bunch of cash to go away. Okay. So at that point, from 2000 till now, it's just been 100% me. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So the 97, location. 97, I opened the, my other location without him, and that pissed him off because I'm still 50-50 partners in the two restaurants with him, with his name on it. I opened another location without with a different name in 97 without him, and that kind of hacked him off. And then three years later, we finally agreed to, to separate. Three years, so 19, 2003? 1997 to 2000. 19, that, okay. I opened the, opened the, the new location without him in 97. Got it. In 2000, I finally get the opportunity to, to separate. Got it. So anything from this experience um, that you wish you knew? Uh, we talked about partnership agreements, uh, things that you would work into a partnership agreement that you didn't, that you wish you did. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, just I, again, I just, I didn't know what I didn't know. So yeah. until you get there and you go, Oh shit, mm -hmm. you know, what have I done? How am I going to get out of this? So yeah, if, if, if a young person came to me and asked me and I'd tell them, but again, when you're young and you just want to get something open, you yeah. just, you just want to, you just want to realize your dream. You're not yeah. thinking about, you're not thinking about failure. You're not thinking about bad partnerships. You're not thinking about anything, getting your doors open and being your own boss. Yeah. And I think the other variable too is like, it is a marriage. You know, it's like you said, it's like a marriage. It yeah. is a marriage. You're spending most of your time with this, more time than your actual wife likely mm -hmm. with this person. Make sure you do love the son of a bitch. Right. You know, like yeah. get into business with people. And that's weird because some people will say never go into business with friends yeah. or family. You gotta like the person if you're going to be working with them. You yeah. know what I mean? So I don't know how I feel about that. I, I, and I've noticed it's the best of friends, the people who look at each other like family yeah. that are able Able to stick it out and to make it work. What well, are your thoughts on that? Well, there's, you, you know, you've you, you've been sitting in with this, this the restaurant systems pro group for a couple of days. Yeah, um, you you can talk to a lot of us have similar stories. Mm -hmm. Been through the same thing. Um, you know, there. You just 
you just you do it and then and then it's like you know five years in or ten years in and and, and you have a different vision than your partner has um, and you don't have any choice you know you just can't you can't get along you know you can't function you can't keep going the way you want to go because he doesn't want to go that way mm. and so i mean there's there's 20 different stories in that room that we're sitting outside of right now yeah uh everybody's a little different but a lot of them are the same yeah you know? i think this is why it's so important to take the time to write things down like core values mission vision especially yeah. where are we going Yes. Do we want to go to the same place? Right. What's the What's the goal? Where are we like? What are we working toward? Yeah. Right? Um, did you guys do that? No. Do is I mean you don't have any partners today though, right? No, no. So it's not really it's something. All, it's all me. Yeah, yeah. So the only the only partner I have is my wife. <laughs> and when I talk about opening another restaurant, she says, "I'll kill you if you open another <laughs> restaurant." <laughs> so you did open. So um, so 2015 was the last restaurant you opened, the Burger Joint. Yes. And this was after, so in 2010, you said it's been about a decade or 12, 12 uh, years, I think. Since I opened my, uh, 97, yeah, it's been way, it's almost 20 years. But when did you start using, like what, what I mean, I don't want to assume, I, I know that Restaurant Systems Pro had a big impact in how you ran your business and, and how profitable you were. When did that come into the scene? Do you remember to that? Uh I think it's been about a dozen years, maybe okay. a little longer. I lose track of time. So if we're talking a dozen years, we're talking about 2010. It was before you opened. It was after your partner left. Oh, way after, yeah. And um, before you opened your, your burger joint. That was 2015. Correct. So where was, where was your business? Like what, what was it? What were the major changes in your business? I'm assuming Restaurant Systems Pro was one of them. But did you do anything else different between that time to scale, to be more systematized, to be a to, to be better with the numbers, to be to be better with the systems. No, I wasn't any good at any of that until I until I got involved with uh, with Fred's company. So why did you get involved? Um, to be honest, uh, so I had I had the two restaurants, and the one that I thought was doing great, and I had one that was struggling, making money about six months out of the year and losing money about six months out of the year. And I went to uh, a four-day, uh, I forgot what they called it, uh, a four-day thing in, in Vegas where you you go listen to uh, Fred's Fred's old partner speak. Yeah. And um, that's David Scott Peters. David Scott Peters, yeah. Multiple times on the show. Yeah. Four or four times, four or five times on the show. It's, oh, you have okay. Yeah, we're, we're we're friends. Yeah, no, I'm I'm good friends with David still. So, uh, and I. I was involved with a guy. I'm just trying to solve problems, right? I've got the one restaurant I think is fine and the other one that I think needs fixing. We fixed the other one, but what I figured out is the one that I thought was fine could do a hell of a lot better. Yeah. And it is and it does now. Uh, so you, how many restaurants do you own to this day? Right now, I just have the one. Okay. By design. Got it. I, I, I had 20 years at that one location and the lease was up and I just – Decided not to renew yeah. for multiple reasons. I didn't like the landlord. Uh, this is the second Esparza's. No, this is this is called Guero's Mexican. Okay, group. cool. Yeah, this is not. after I separated from my my partner. What year did you open that? Ninety seven. Got it. Okay, that's so. Um, in in trying to fix, uh, what I thought was the the restaurant that had a problem, I found out 
you know what, you, you could be doing this a lot better at the restaurant that you think is so yeah. successful. You start the process of learning of what a good rest, a well-run restaurant looks like, and you're like, well, same applies over here. Yes. Yeah, so it's well-run. It's not efficiently run. Mm. And that's and, and these systems give you the, the tools. So what's the difference between being well-run and efficiently run? What's, <laughs> what's well-run mean to you? Well-run to me was, like I said earlier, you know, I'm a front-of-the-house guy. Yeah. You know? The, the people coming to my door want to be there. Yeah. They want to come back. They want to see Steve. They want to see Steve's employees, you know, uh, you know, picking up a crying baby so mom can eat, yeah. you know, and walking around the dining room with this beautiful little child. People don't forget that kind of stuff. Yeah. So well run in my mind is good culture. Uh, yeah. Things are getting done consistently. Yes. Uh, people are talented. People are coming back. You have a good business. You're busy. Yes. People know about you. You're the spot to go. Are you as profitable as you could be, though? I was not. Yeah. No, I was not. Well, do you mind talking about percentages and what, what you were doing then? Um, so I can't tell you percentages because I didn't even know how to do the math back then <laughs> yeah. until I got involved with 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 Fred and David's group. So you just had more money coming in that was going out. Yeah, I was making my, I was making money, but I didn't I wasn't even calculating food costs right. I didn't even know what the word prime cost meant. Mm. You know, that this is all stuff I've learned. And this is in 2010. Two, yeah, yeah. In business for 35 I'm not, I'm not trying to beat you up. No, no, not not at all. Yeah, I can take it. 25 years 25 years in business and didn't I know still know what prime cost was. No. Wow. Open three restaurants. Yes. That's wild. Yeah. So um, it's, uh, I, I remember sitting in a room with, with Fred and a guy named Brad Hackert, who, who was part of the restaurant systems pro. He's not, he's still in the group, but he runs a restaurants and, uh, he runs, uh, Florabama, which is a gigantic, uh, I think I've heard of that. Yeah. It's a, it's crazy. I'm very high. I, if, if you, if they tell you the volume they're doing, it makes you feel really small <laughs> and I'm not small, yeah. but, uh, they come, he had a group. This is, this is called the elite group restaurant systems pros elite. That's, that's the, that's the meeting you're sitting in on this week. Yeah. Uh, he used to have a group called champion and champion was a, l- a little lower level. Uh, and we'd meet in Phoenix, which is where Fred's company is. And David's company was, um, and I'm sitting in a, in a champion meeting at the Embassy Suites in, in Phoenix. And we're taking a break. Everybody gets up out of the room. And I'm still sitting in the, in the, in the meeting room. And Fred and Brad are in there. And uh, we're just talking about bottom line, how much profit we should be making. And I read in, I read in a magazine, you know, I don't which one, one of the restaurant magazines, publications that's a, monthly that that the average restaurant makes five to eight percent you know and and i i said that out loud uh to fred he he looked at my volumes i had two restaurants then and he said steve you should be making a million dollars a year i said what the hell are you net or gross that's no million dollars in my pocket okay yeah so I said, what are you talking about? I said, the average restaurant makes like 5 to 8%. 8% of whatever I was doing back then, $5 million or whatever. Yeah. He said, Steve, you're not average. And I was like, wow. <laughs> no one's ever said yeah. that to me before. What makes you not average? 
Or what me, yeah, what makes you not average? You'd have to ask him why he said that, mm-hmm. but he, you know, he said, you're not average. You know, you, you're above average and you should be making this. And it's amazing what, what, what you put in your mind can become reality. And I, I think I was probably taking home maybe four or $500,000 back then. Well, which is still good money. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. You know, you know, guy barely got out of high school was making a half a million dollars yeah. a year. Yeah, right? you can't shake a stick at that. No. But, I mean, what it, can you do with another 500000 How many people can you help with that kind of money? Right. You know? And when you start stacking year after year with seven-figure income, mm-hmm. that's life-changing shit, man. Yeah. You know, and he said that, and it took me a couple years, but using using the software, using the systems, Changing my food costs, controlling my labor costs. I'm happy to say, I, you know, I, I have a seven-figure income with one restaurant. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah seven plus. So. so 25 years in business. In 2010, you decide to really buckle down to put systems in place to make the business dependent on the systems, not you. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. What, like, what was that process like? What, what things did you start doing immediately that you didn't have before? Paint the picture of what yeah, it, well done looks it, like. It was a, it was a long process. Yeah, it was a long process. And, and, and like all of us in this, in this room this week, you know, we've grown and evolved and it takes time. And I'm, I'll include Fred's company with that because his company is way different than it was 12 years ago when I joined. Uh, you know, we're, we went from using spreadsheets to actually having he's – paid, he's paid a lot of money for – for software people to help him create this software and um and it gets better every year you know at at his members suggestions it's like fred you know what this this is good but it'd really be good if it did this mm. so they have a board in his office with things you know to try and improve and they spend the money with the software engineer guys and say boy this is this we really need to do this we need to do that so his company's grown and, uh, and then, you know, I think the first thing I tackled was food cost mm-hmm. and it was a, a purchase allotment, which, you know, somebody outside the business, you know, may not even understand what I'm talking about, but we do, we do sales forecasting and based on my forecast, it tells my managers what, how much food, how much food sales can be expected for this day, this week, this month. And how much, if, if my food, tar- food cost target, it was 24, it's gone, gone up a little bit because of so much inflation, but. Right. 24%. 24% food cost was my target for many, many years. Yeah. And that, so that the, was their goal the to pros hit. pros of Mexican yeah. restaurants, low food costs. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, if you're going to have a $10,000 day and 60 per, 65% of it's food, so that's 6,500 bucks in food sales. You're only supposed to spend 24% of that 6,500 to get to produce those sales. Mm-hmm. And that, that I'm getting down, down into days, but they have, they have a budget they can spend on food. And if they spend more than that, they've got to be able to explain to me why they had to spend more than that. Mm-hmm. And I realize when I get a, a delivery three days a week that if I look at that day when the food delivery came, my food cost for that week is going to look high. Yeah. But by the time they use the food, you know, it's supposed to be down closer to the twenty four percent target. Yeah, and then and then later on, I did I did labor. Uh, so the so generally speaking, when you onboard with the system, the first thing they focus on is where's the money going. 
food costs. Let's get your, your spending under control, right? Yeah. Let's stop the bleeding. Yes. And then from there, um, so you get your theoretical cost, right? And then from there, it's like, okay, this is what you should be doing. And then how do we make it happen? Right. So when it comes to, this must be super overwhelming for somebody who's just like, who's been running for 25 years one way. Yeah. To come, have somebody come in and be like, okay, like you have to do all this to get that stuff. There, it's not as simple as just hitting a switch. No, you got to do recipe cards. You got to do inventory weekly. You got to yeah. do. You got to start doing all this extra stuff to be able to get the data to to know exactly what your numbers are. What was that like for you? Overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I would go to these meetings, and eventually, uh, uh, David Scott Peters talked me into. He kept saying, you belong, you belong in the elite group, Steve. And I knew what being in an elite group meant. It meant like we're here, we're here outside of Chicago. We're here in Wisconsin with Chris Schoenberger's restaurant. So we meet every quarter and you've got 20 other restaurant tours. They're going to walk through your building and critique your restaurant. <laughs> and right. And I was like, I said, David, I don't want you assholes walking through my restaurant. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wasn't ready for it. I would have yeah. been embarrassed yeah. before I, you know, I got my stuff together. Um, so I, I, I resisted for a little while and then I eventually, uh, joined elite, but, um, I'm not sure where I was going with that. Um, you were afraid that you're going to get criticized. Yeah. So, and uh, Chris Schoenberger, who were, who's our host this week. Yeah. He he was he was new to the group and he was very intimidated. And you know I went to him I said, dude, you know just relax, you're fine, you're, you're good. Yeah. And uh, he's he's gone from being the new guy in the group to being like he's teaching us stuff now. Yeah. He's 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 really strong. He has a really great story. I guess you've mm-hmm. already interviewed him. He has a yeah. great story to tell. That would have been his episode is the episode that goes live just before yours. So our listeners have heard his story. Okay. They know what you're talking yeah. about. So, um, you know, at, at this point in, in this point, my, he gives me a lot of credit. That I don't even think I deserve. Um, uh, but you know, when, when you can influence younger people or help younger people, um, that's probably the most rewarding thing for me at this point. Um, I'll have uh, I'll have people call me former employees or just people that know me from the restaurant, and 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 they call and they say, Steve, I'm thinking about opening my own restaurant. Can I visit with you? I said I'd love to visit mm. with you, and then I say, Let me ask you a question. Would you like me to talk you into it, or do you want me to talk you out of it? Because <laughs> I can do both. I can do both. I can scare the hell out of you and make you think you never want to do it again. Or I can tell you, you know, my story and, and what you can accomplish, you know, if you do this, this, and this. Uh, but, yeah, it's a journey. And, and it, uh, Fred calls me a lot and says, because he'll have potential new clients. Yeah. And it, most of us are so afraid of something new. And he talks to people and he – he's got a room full of really, really successful people next door to us right now. Yeah. Right. And they've already been through this and he tells people he can help them and they don't believe him, you know, and maybe I was there too. You know, you're full of shit. You know, what makes you the restaurant expert? You know, where's your restaurant? Um, but he's not full of shit. That's how I feel all the time. Sidebar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, 
he'll call me and say, Steve, I just talked to this guy. He has three sushi restaurants in the, in outside of DC and I'm trying to get him to, you know, sign up and use our software. Can I give him your phone number to call you? And I said, yeah, tell him to call me. And he's, this has happened many, many times over the past 10 years. Either they don't call. Most of them don't call at all. I had, I had a guy locally that he was talking to. This guy had three or four, I'm going to use the term restaurant, if you know what that, that means, you know. A restaurant? Restaurant. So, like, just like a Hooter, ladies. Hooters, to, Hooters or yeah. Twin Peaks. The concept is really scantily clad, good-looking yeah. young girls. Yeah. That's a restaurant. Yeah. You know. It's draw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he was doing good volumes and very successful. And I already knew him. He's in, he was in the area I'm, I'm in. I knew him because he was a salesman for, for one of the big uh, – vendors like Benny Keith or Cisco, I don't remember which one, Cisco or, so I already knew the guy and, and David's talking to him, trying to get him, he's struggling now and cause he doesn't have systems. Mm. He actually comes physically to my restaurant. I sit with him in my kitchen office. I show him uh, Fred's software. I tell him what it's done for me. The guy, the guy was really crazy, busy, successful, early, early. But like a lot of us, he starts spending money, you know. He's driving a Lamborghini, and um, I like cars too. And, I, you know, I showed him a picture of some of mine. and, and uh, But the difference is I'm paying cash for mine, and he's financing his. Uh, yeah. He ends up losing all the restaurants. He doesn't go with Fred. He doesn't use the software. He doesn't have the Lamborghini anymore. All his restaurants are closed. And it's just like, why? You didn't, ha- you didn't have to go that way. You know, I'm standing here. I'm right here in front of you. I'm living proof this shit works, mm. you know? So it's, it is a lot of work. And it, it, was, it was in the beginning trying to get your manners, managers to buy, yeah. to buy in is difficult. Yeah, because that, that was one thing I was curious about. I mean, you can make the commitment. But when you're literally you're you're upheaving the, I mean it's it's your culture. You're upheaving your culture because your systems, your processes. That's a it, your culture is all encompassing. It's everything you do. That's true, right? Yeah. So you have to like you're you have something good going. You have people that have been with you for twenty years, and you're going, hey, guess what? We're doing everything different now. Yeah. You're gonna get pushback. You're gonna get people who are used that are, that are in the, to their habits, right? So how do you get people to buy in? How do you overcome that resistance? Oh, I had, I had one general manager who had been with me for a really long time, and I eventually had to let him go because he, old, old dog, new tricks, right? Mm. And he was, he, was, uh, he was probably in his 70s by the time, or late 60s. This is 15 years ago. He didn't want to learn new tricks. And he just wanted to pass everything off and delegate. You know, he was good at delegating, which means he ain't doing a damn thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just wouldn't get on board. And so I had to let him go, which is really hard. Uh, but sometimes you're in your own building, you're in your own world. You don't see what you should see. And actually, I think it was David or Fred that said, told me, he said, you need to, you need to let that guy go. Mm-hmm. He let him go. Yeah. So, and then the other guys, you know, I told him when I first had, um, you talk about how hard it is to get get things going. So uh, they offered what they called uh, management consulting services. 
was basically you're buying speed instead of going back to your restaurant and trying to do all this on your own. They'll come out and help you. And, you know, it's not cheap. Uh, but the return on investment is, you know, lasts forever. So if you spend, you know, $60,000 getting all this put in place, but you're recovering that, you know, every couple of months from here till eternity, you know, it's a good, good ROI. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, um, you know, I, I tell, I tell Fred this all the time, you know, that's the best ROI decision I ever made was to join this group yep. and use their software because it's, it's literally life changing. Yeah. And it's not just the software. I mean, there's also the, the idea of being able to get together quarterly with other restaurant owners from across the country yeah. who are not competitive with you. So you can be a lot more vulnerable with them. Yes. You can share things that you wouldn't want to tell your neighbor down the street. Right. And you're, and it's it, it's just a support system. You get that perspective. You get ideas. It's the power of all the minds together. Not just anybody, but successful restaurants. Right. It's, it's a it's a it's a mastermind group. Yeah, they're powerful. And, and yeah, it's powerful. You know, it's like if I go visit with uh, the guy down the street from me that owns a restaurant. Well, you know, he's my competitor. Yeah. How much is he really sharing with me? And yeah. how much am I really sharing with him? Mm-hmm. You know, they don't care if I die. Yeah. You know, more business for them, Although, right? I do got to say, I encourage more people to do that locally because you will get far more, I believe. And we're afraid of our, the people down the street because like, we're vulnerable. They can exploit that. Yeah. Right. But I think that most people in this industry won't. I think that you can get much more out of doing that, being vulnerable. No, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And I would, I mean, I don't think you need to be in the mastermind with people from across the country, but it tends to, it tends to open people up a little bit more. Yeah. Because of that fear. But yeah, don't no, let that fear stop you from doing it locally. For sure. No, I'm, I'm definitely uh, friendly with all the other restaurateurs yeah. in town. And in fact, I'll, I'll go sit down and visit with them. It's like, you know, what are you doing about this? What are you doing? How much are you charging for a bottle of beer now? How much is, you know, what are you doing? Yeah. And when you run out of tortillas, you can't go to the guy <laughs> in San Francisco, but you can go to your neighbor. Right. 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 For sure. So, um, I don't really, you know, I feared competition when I was a younger guy. When I opened my restaurants in Grapevine, Texas, which is right between Dallas and Fort Worth. Um, when I opened in 85, there was virtually nothing out there. It was uh, like a Brahms. Me, there was a bar restaurant called Will Hoyt's, which is an old converted garage, still there. Uh, they've been in business 40 years. I've been in business 37 years. Um, it, it, so I, it's 85, and, and I have a, I have a good five-year run, and then uh, people in this industry know who Norman Brinker is. Norman Brinker was the guy that, that he didn't start Chili's, but he blew Chili's into, up to what it is. Brinker sounds familiar. Is that what became Brinker's? Did it start from Chili's? Brinker, uh, uh, the company was called Brinker. It, he he had chilies. He had macaroni grill. He had cozy mills. He had it's at one point he had like six or seven concepts. Uh, if you're a restaurateur and you haven't read this man's uh, book, you need to read it. What's the name of the book? On the brink. On the brink. He, he started. He started a coffee shop in. Man goes way back. He, he was in San Diego, California, when Jack in the Box was new. And the guy that owned Jack in the Box hired Norman Brinker, and he wanted to he wanted to uh, grow and give Brinker a, a, a piece of the action to stay with him. And he said, "No, thanks. I'm going to go do my own deal." And he's from Dallas. I think he went to SMU. Uh, he opens a, a coffee shop called Brinks, and then 
uh, steak and ale. I don't know if you remember that brand at all. They they were they were the first like casual uh, steakhouse, steakhouse yeah. something you would compare now to an Outback or mm-hmm. a Saltgrass or a, I don't know who's national anymore, but uh, Longhorn, Longhorn, yeah, yeah something like that. It was called Steak and Ale, and uh, he he invented the salad bar. There was no such thing as a salad bar wow. until he put a salad bar in Steak and Ale, and then he went on to. He got involved with Pillsbury. He owned the Bennigans. He owned Chili's. Wow. He did a lot of different stuff on the border. He bought after the the guy that started on the border, which is a, a small, maybe not small, uh, regional Tex-Mex yeah. change, chain. And uh, uh, anyway, he's he's a really sharp guy. And if if you're a rest, if you're in the restaurant business, you need to read the guy's book. I just wrote it down. I'm going yeah, to on the brink. I'm going to try to get him on, on the, the brink. You can get it. You can get it. Do you know? Him? No, Norman's dead. Oh, is he? Yeah. Dang. I was going to say, yeah, no, but, when, but oh. I'm going to tell you there. And I don't know. I couldn't tell you all of them, but there's a whole bunch of people in this industry that are disciples of working for yeah. one of Brinker's companies. Yeah. A lot of that, that's how it works. It's generations. You yes. know, we come up, we produce restaurant people. We, we, we are in the business of creating restaurant people. You know, we, we are forming and shaping the future of the industry. Yeah. So it's one of the biggest compliments I get is, is when I have people that used to work for me that are now own their own restaurant mm. and are successful. Yeah. There's no bigger compliment. That's the, you know? yeah, that's what, that's the goal. I mean, I think the best restaurant groups have recognized that in that they, they see like my job is to push you out of my business. Yeah. But when I push you out, I'm going to give you the opportunity. I'm going to invest in you and we're going to grow together. And I think people who have figured that out and figured out the systems and they literally form their future business partners. Yeah. So in this, that, you're talking about, you know, how to, how to get the buy-in from your, yeah. from your managers. And I, I told them, I told them back in the beginning, I said, look, we're going to learn something here. And you, you may not work for me forever, but what I'm going to teach you for mm. free, what I'm going to teach you for free, you'll be able to use the rest of your life. Yes. And when you want to go open your own restaurant, you're going to have way better tools than I had when I started mine. Yeah. And I'm not charging you for the education. Mm. I'm paying you mm. to, to, to have the education. I love that. And then I, and I told them way back, um, I probably just said this yesterday, but to the group, but, um, you know, they say there's two people you should never lie to. Your, your doctor and your lawyer. Yeah. You never lie to your doctor <laughs> yeah. or your lawyer. I told him, I said, there's actually a third person you should never lie to. Never lie to Fred Langley. <laughs> because if you tell him something that's not true, he can log in to my system <laughs> 2,000 miles away and tell me that you're full of shit. <laughs> yeah. So don't lie to him. When he comes out and he's doing consulting, don't answer the question you think, the way Fred wants you to answer it, just what's, ask, answer it honestly. Yeah. And if we're doing something wrong, he's going to correct us, but we're paying him for that. Yeah. And I'm paying a lot of money for that. Yeah. So, you know, you, you've got to do what he says you should do. Yeah. And you find out the ones that, that will get on board and the ones that won't, and the ones that won't, you just got to let them go. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing that you started talking about, we talked about the first thing he did is he helped you get you your costs down. Yeah. Where, what, you're, what you're spending money on, where the money is going. The next thing was labor. Yeah. You started to get into that, and I, and I made you drill down. So, so what did he do with your labor? Uh, well, like I said, to, to try and implement all of it at once is overwhelming, so you just kind of pick, pick, yeah. a, pick a piece. 
and you go after that. And then when you get that done, you go after the next piece. Uh, I kind of wish I had done labor first. Okay. Because your labor percentage is a percentage of your total sales. Your, your food cost percentage is a percentage of your food sales. Well, my total sales are way more than my food sales because yeah. I have a lot of liquor. That's a lot of margaritas. Yeah. So yeah. if you if you save five percent on on labor, you're saving five percent of your gross. If you save five percent on your food, you're saving five percent on the total amount of food you sell, but not the total amount of business you're doing. Yeah. So that five percent in labor is worth more than the five percent of food. Yeah, and I'm sure with the margar with the Mexican focused restaurant where your food costs are so low because you're basically you're doing rice, beans, chicken, tortillas, right. and you're using all the same ingredients and in most of the, the the rest of the recipes, right? Yeah. That's why it's such a beautiful concept because you, your overhead is so low. Yeah. Relative to say like a steakhouse. Right? Yeah. But you do have steak and you still you do you do that stuff too, but when you're when you're slinging margaritas, you know, I'm sure that's where the majority of your profit comes from. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can, you know, people get full of food. They don't yeah. seem to get full of margaritas. Yeah, it fills so, around the food. <laughs> right, right. So they'll they might have a fifteen dollar plate of food, but they'll have two 15, margaritas yeah. at nine dollars a piece. Or yeah, exactly. three margaritas. Um, so yeah, it's you know, and then the percentages are good, and the labor's nothing, right? Yeah, it doesn't take much to pour a margarita. No. Yeah. So you said you wish you started with with that first it would have helped you sooner. But um, I mean, what did they do with the labor? Did it just help you kind of get control over? Like, give me an example of what they did that you weren't doing. Well, so, well, his software. You know, I, I talked about sales forecasting. I, I I forecast sales based on the previous year or years. So I'll forecast out. You know that I'm going to do five hundred thousand dollars next month. And we know from history that 66% of that's food and 34% liquor, beer, and wine. So you're going to spend this much. And then it's when you get into labor, it tells you how much you can spend. And then it even breaks it down on how much you should be spending in the kitchen, on bussers, on – you have a budget for all of that. You know, waitstaff is cheap in Texas because we don't have the – you know, we have – we pay 213 an hour plus tips. Yeah. Uh, the tip credit state, I think they call it. Um, but it tells you how much you can spend in each department. And, and they have the money that they have to schedule to that. And if they, if they schedule over, you know, you can see it. I can look at it. And um, I just I called my uh, director of operations when I got here because I noticed on Sunday, you know, my labor cost was very high for the day. And my forecasted sales were almost exactly what my actual sales were that day. So why did I run 31% on my targets, you know, in the teens? And it's, it's because, well, I'm going to find out why, why it was because, but they're either over scheduling for that day. And that, that's a day when my GMs are off. And so I've kind of got the B team there mm-hmm. and maybe they're not as good as managing on the fly as others. So mm-hmm. we got, we got some work to do there. Um, but it's like if you did if you did a thirty one percent, you 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 scheduled too much. Did you schedule too much because you want to make sure that the B team has enough staff and doesn't get overwhelmed, overwhelmed, right? Or or you know, did you not recognize that it was not you didn't need all those people and you should have cut some people earlier, you know? So 
you can look at that every day in, in restaurant systems pro, you know, I can look at it on my phone. Most of the, most of the POS yeah. companies now have, have an app where you can see live how much your sales, if I want to pick up my phone right now, I could tell you, you know, what, how much my sales are yeah. for the first couple hours today and, yeah. and what my, and what my labor cost is, which is always high early in the day because you've got so much prep going on for sales that are going to happen later. Um, but restaurant systems pro software lets you dial in, you know, I always tell people I, I used to, I used to wait and let food and labor cost happen to me. Mm. Now I make it happen. Yeah. I'm not waiting for my CPA to come out two weeks after the month ended and say, Steve, your food cost was high. Yeah. No, I know what my food cost is right now. Yeah. And this is what what we're talking about is the the great game of business. It's a game and you need a scorecard and what great and what restaurant systems pro does and other tools that are out there do today. They, they give you a mic, like they drill down to them, like the microscopic level of all the numbers that are happening in your business. And you're proactive with those numbers. You're looking at those numbers. You're influencing those numbers. Those numbers aren't influencing you. And that's what happens when you track to this detail where, where you really drill down and you're, you're costing out every menu item. You're cost, like, and you, you, you're going through these motions. Like you, you start acting on your business. You go from a reactive to a proactive place. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. I was uh, Chris, who you've already interviewed. That he's our host right now. He he was in town. He was in Dallas and stopped by my restaurant. And um, I told him, you know, I told him I was going to have Gino, who's who's on the ground consulting for for Fred's company, Gino Scalfani. Uh, I said I said you know I'm going to have Gino out for a couple of months and pay for for some consulting. And Chris was like. How much believing money do you think you need to make? But I'm like, no, I, I, there's room for improvement. There's things I can do better that I'm not doing. And the world's kind of changed with the, all the inflation and stuff. And so, yeah, I, yeah, I've been in business 37 years. Yeah, I've been using this software for a dozen years or so. Uh, but I, I see I need help. You know, I need, to, I need to use the menu profit generator tool he has and, and talk about, you know, redoing my menu a little bit. Cause it's, it's hard to keep up with inflation mm. and you hate as an independent, especially you hate to raise prices. Um, cause a lot of people that are maybe not paying attention, just think you're being greedy, but I, I have an obligation to run a profitable business. Um, I have actual, uh, I have quarterly bonuses for my managers and it's based on real numbers. It's not based on emotion. You know, they have targets they have to hit and, and, and can I, <clears throat> can I ask them, can I hold them to a standard of 24% when food costs have risen, you know, 12, 13%? Uh, you know, those prices aren't, they can't hit that anymore. And if they can't hit that and I don't give them their bonus, am I being realistic or am I punishing them for, for the economy and the state we're in rather than the job they're doing? So I'm really going to work on when, when we get back, I'm going to have Gino out for a couple months. Yeah. He comes out for like three days at a time mm -hmm. and we do over the phone things with my management team and he'll help us dial, dial back in and see where, what items, uh, yeah. what items I could or should or need to raise prices on. Yeah. And things like that. Yeah. Is there anything that we haven't spoken about up to this point in the interview that you can speak uniquely to that you, you want, is there a message you want to get out? to the listeners who are trying to do what you've done. Um, 
you know, it's it's really just perseverance and and you know, don't give up. Believe in yourself. Uh, again, you know, don't don't doubt yourself. How do we start this episode? Doubt, pout, do without. Yeah, well, you mentioned something else about they just don't stop. Yeah, I mean, you it's talk not- about. I, I think that I probably stole that from Steve Harvey. If you ever listen to him, yeah. do some motivational speaking. He's really incredible. His story's incredible, but you know, you don't fail. You just stop. Yeah. You didn't fail. You just quit trying. You, yeah. you quit. You quit the week before everything was about to change in your life, mm. and you just you just stopped and you gave up. You know. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's okay to stop if if you're not happy. If you truly don't love the work. Yeah. You know, then stop. I wish I stopped aviation sooner. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like I was afraid to stop because. I didn't want to be a failure. Yeah. You know, and, and that, that, that persistence, that, that, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, um, stubbornness to not quit because of yeah. your ego can get you in trouble. So if you're not in love with the industry yeah, and, and if you're showing up and you're, you're, you know, working to the bone and you don't want it, I think it's also okay to stop because you got to want it. Right. You know, um, but don't, but if you want it and you're struggling, just keep showing up. Just yeah. don't stop because you'll get there. So, I mean, ego is a big thing. There's a, lot, yeah. there's a lot of big egos oh, in that yeah. other room up there. Oh, yeah. You know, some successful people. We all have egos. My my wife gives me a hard time, and we've been together for a long time. But when I first met her, she she, she would tell me I'm cocky. Yeah. I said, no, honey, I'm not cocky. I'm confident. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it's probably a little bit of both. <laughs> but... Um, but that confidence, that cockiness can attract on to people. People like that. They, no, security. I mean, uh, chicks don't want to hang out with a dude that's not confident. Yeah. You know, if you want yeah. to call me cocky, call me cocky. But, but it's really just confident. I'm confident security. in what I, yeah, what yeah. I do. And you, and you talk about um, uh, a fear of failure, and that, that stops a lot of people. They're, they're afraid to try because they're afraid to fail. But you know what? If you're afraid, if you're afraid to fail, you're also afraid to succeed because mm-hmm. there's no way you can get there. Mm. There's no way there you get to, if you're just so fearful that you're that you're paralyzed and that you don't do it, you know. Yeah, it's like so. You know, I've I've had I've had high school friends that come over to my house and they, and they see my house and my and my cars. I'm I'm into cars. I got a lot yeah. of cars. And, and one of the girls says, "Steve, you know, I don't remember you being into cars when we when we were in high school. I didn't have any money. Exactly, it's exactly <laughs> what I said. I said I was into cars. I just didn't have any money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now I got the money, so I'm living. You know, I'm living the dream. I'm buying the the stuff I couldn't couldn't have bought back then. Yeah, I heard a story about you that you get a new uh, Mercedes, not Mercedes, um, uh, Escalade, Escalade, Cadillac Escalade every year. Not every year, but every couple. What do you do when you get a new one? So. Uh, I can tell people have been talking about me. Yeah. <laughs> so I hired uh, a man named Israel Casas. He worked for me in the 80s and early 90s. Then he left. Him and his wife both worked for me. And he is now almost 80 years old. But about a, wow. dozen, about a dozen years ago, he had gone down to Houston and was working for a regional chain down there. And he retired. And then he calls me out of the blue one day. And this is when... This, these guys in this group and, and, and David and Fred were telling me, you need to hire, you need to hire a director of operations because it was just kind of me and the managers I had at each store. And Israel calls me and says, Steve, I'm thinking about moving back to Grapevine. You, you got anything for me to do? And it, literally I was thinking about hiring a director of operations, and this guy's perfect, right? When you've been in business for 25, 30 years and you can hire somebody with 15 more years' experience than you have, yeah. that's invaluable, right? 
And I said, yeah, get your ass up here. I'll give you a job. So, <laughs> yeah. so I hired him. He's been with me several years now. But I was driving. Um, the car I drive the most would be the Escalade. It's a company car. Mm-hmm. And uh, back then they were Is building. Is this no education or? No, the no education plates on a, on a Bentley Continental <laughs> oh, GT. got it. <laughs> and the busboy plates on the Ferrari. Oh, okay. So the, the Escalade's kind of an everyday driver. Gotcha. And uh, I'm driving. Back then they were still building those pickup truck Cadillacs, which I really loved. I'd still, I'd still be driving one if they yeah. still built them. But yeah. um, I was going to get a new, I was going to go get a new Escalade. Uh, the pickup truck was getting some miles on it. And um, Israel was going back and forth between two restaurants for him. And he was driving probably a 15-year-old Mercury or something. And, you know, it was breaking down and causing problems, you know, getting worked on and maintenance and and so i went to my wife and said honey what, what would you think of instead of trading this in what if i just gave this truck to israel for a company truck and that's where it kind of started so i went i went to israel and i said uh israel you know how much longer do you think you're going to be working with me? because he's, he's pretty old at this point yeah. he said I, you know as long as you'll have me steve yeah i said okay i'll tell you what i'm going to do I'm going to give you this. This is going to be your company truck. So I gave him the, the Escalade. And this has been going on for several years now. So I have two Escalades. Mm-hmm. One he drives and one I drive. And so mine's a 2021 and his is a 2018. So when I'm ready for a new one, I trade his in for a new one and give him my old one. Okay. So we just kind of rotate. Nice. It's It's a perk. It's a, yeah. it's a benefit. And then the other funny story is uh, when that when that original Escalade started uh having you know started costing some money out of warranty and needing some repairs and you know i went to him and i said you know israel i think i'm gonna that escalate starting to cost a little, little too much money in repairs and maintenance i'm gonna get you i'm gonna get you a brand new he liked having a pickup truck and it comes in handy sometimes in our industry and i said i'm gonna go get you a brand new uh chevy silverado and and we'll trade this one in and he's like, oh, okay. And then about three days later, he comes back to me. He says, you know, Steve, I, I'd really like to buy the Escalade from you. I said, Israel, I'm going to get you a brand new Chevrolet, fully loaded. He said, yeah, yeah, I know. But, um, well, there's a certain prestige to driving a Cadillac. <laughs> so he, he had that Cadillac he taste. For, yeah. <laughs> he liked showing up to his kids and his grandparents kids houses yeah. and driving a Cadillac yeah and I was like man two years I already spoiled this son of a bitch <laughs> he, he doesn't want to drive a Chevrolet he's got to drive a Cadillac I'd love to f- drive a fully loaded Chevrolet right oh, right those are nice trucks so this so to this day he's he I have two two trucks and he drives the older one and mm-hmm. I drive the new one and when I when it's ready to trade the 20 the when I'm ready to get a new one I don't know that's next year or it's just usually two or three years uh, I'll trade his in, get a new one, and give him my old one. Yeah, and it just uses it to come. It's just, just it's a perk, and he doesn't drive as much as he used to because I don't I don't have two stores anymore. I just have one. But uh, you know, he's out checking on all the caterings yep. and all those types of things. Yep. So, man, this has been a lot of fun, Steve. So, w- one question I like to ask: I like to repeat my my mission statement whenever possible. The mission is to inspire empower and transform the industry you've definitely inspired us dude no no formal education you showed up you kept grinding you kept getting better doing over six million a year in in gross you know over 1.5 million in margarita sales like we're inspired we're empowered because you told us how you did it yeah you know um but on this note of transformation 
I think we're going to transform the restaurant industry by transforming one person at a time. So how have you transformed? Who are you today versus the man you were 20 when you were 25 years old? Like what, how are you better today? Um, well, I have, I have better tools. Uh, I'm better at communicating. Uh, how do you communicate now versus when you did back in the day? Well, it's a long, it's a long time to go back, but you know, the difference between being in your store 80 hours a week and being in your store 30 hours a week, which, you know, when you say you work 30 hours a week, that's in my industry, that's, that's pretty much part time. Right. Um, so it's important, you know, when you're in your store it, to, to communicate with your team. Uh, we have, we have, you know, pre-shift meetings and they meet with the staff, but then I sit down and meet, not every day, but lots of days will, I'll sit down with my, my management team. And then once a week uh, on Wednesdays, we have a, a manager's meeting and we just talk about, you know, what's going on, what's going to be going on, you know, what, what you know, what needs repair, what needs maintenance, what, you know, what tools do I, do you need that I'm not, haven't been able to give you. Um, so, I mean, communication is key, especially when you're not in your building all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have systems for communication? Um, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, meetings? Meetings. And then, uh, you know, we have a, we have a text stream that I can communicate with the guys, even if I'm not there. Yep. Or an email. Do you know what that text stream is? Do I know what it is? Yes. Yeah, What's it called? Uh, I don't use the software for it. Oh, okay. It's just I've got everybody's cell phone. Got, you know? got it. Yeah. Got it. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's hard to say because so much has changed in 37 years in business, but, uh, I just try to be, I just try to be a better operator every year, whatever that means. You know, I try to be a better, a better man, a better husband. Um, I try to treat my, my guys like I'd like to be treated. Mm. I always told my mom, you know, she gets a lot of credit for my success because it ain't education, (laughs) but it's, it's the, I got the BS from my dad yeah, and I got the learned how to treat people from being from one of seven kids and what my parents taught me. And a lot of it's just pretty basic. You what's, know, what's the biggest lesson your mom taught you about how to be, how to treat people? Uh, you know, just, you know, you'd have to go to the Bible or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. just, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated. Yeah. Love your brothers and sisters and, uh, like I said earlier in the conversation, when you're, when you're working together for 70, 80 hours a week, those, those people are your family. Mm-hmm. So you treat them that way. Yeah. And you know, my staff, some of the newer ones don't know my whole story, but some of the ones that have been around for 20 years, you know, they know I started as a bus boy. Yeah. And you know, I, 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 I speak Spanish. Uh, I'm not bilingual, but I speak restaurant Spanish Yeah, and it's, and it's pretty good. Cause I learned it from Mexicans, not from a, from Mrs. Bynum in the seventh grade yeah. with no accent. Yeah. So my accent's pretty good. My English, my Spanish is pretty good. They respect that. You know, when I walk through the kitchen, you know, those guys know I understand what they're saying, what they're yeah. doing. And <laughs> uh, it's funny because my wife is actually, she was a Spanish French major and graduated from Baylor. And she speaks way better Spanish than I do. And we first started dating, uh, she come walking through the kitchen and she's a little bitty blonde 
and uh, no way you think she spoke Spanish. And some of the guys, you know, behind the cook line were commenting on her backside oh. in Spanish. And she just turned, she didn't take offense. She just, I don't know what she turned to him and said, thank you. And, you know, gracias. Or yeah. Started speaking Spanish to him. They just turned they, white. Turned, oh, yeah. They're white or red or it's like, oh, shit. What I just, do we do? I just we're going to lose our job. I just talked about the owner's girlfriend's ass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it comes in handy. And I think you, you, you have a, elevated respect because you've I've learned their language and they haven't learned mine yet you yeah, know yeah but they they appreciate that the ones that don't know my story know that I I just didn't show up and I'm an owner and I make a, a shit ton of money yeah I used to bus tables yeah so much so that I have a restaurant group called busboy restaurant group yeah and I'm not ashamed to put it on my license plate my license plate says Texas busboy awesome man I love this yeah so people you know people will pull up behind me on the on the road and I can see him taking pictures of my license plate because you got, you got a plate that says bus boy and it's on a $300,000 Ferrari. Yeah. So it, you know, it's amusing. I, I try to stay humble and, you know, remember, remember where I came from and, For sure. and the, and the fall down is a hell of a lot faster than the ride up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so I, that's it, what motivates me every day. I, not I, I get up and go up. to work cause I, I don't know how to do anything else Yeah, and nobody's going to hire me. <laughs> at any level, you know, yeah. if I want to go manage a, a restaurant somewhere, you know, I can make $60,000 a year. I'm not living like that anymore. Yeah. You know? So the mission same again, inspire, empower, and transform the industry. Where do you think, what can we do better collectively as an industry? How does the industry need to improve and transform? Wow. Um, I live in, I live in the world of independent restaurant owners. And I, so I don't really know the culture in, in the big chains. They obviously work or they wouldn't have hundreds of locations. Uh, but in this group that, that I'm in here, you know, we just, you know, we just try to treat our, so many of these guys are so active in their community. And I think that's so important. Yeah. When I had my business partner, he didn't believe, he believed in one charity and that charity was him. Mm. And when I got rid of him, I, I was finally able to make those decisions on my own. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I give a lot. Like, yesterday I catered. Uh, I do the new educators luncheon is what they call it for the local school district. I do it every year. I feed 400 people and I comp it. Wow. It's free. It's for the school district. Mm. I, I, do, uh, I do things for the, uh, this, the uh, Chamber of Commerce. I sat on the board for six years. I was chairman of the board one year. Uh, we have a golf tournament every year. It's a big fundraiser for the ch- chamber. I feed three or 400 golfers free. Wow. Um, I do things with an organization called Grace, which is a charity organization for the, for the people who are struggling financially there in Grapevine, Texas. And, uh, you know, I do things for the, for the CVB. Um, so I give, a, I give back a lot yeah. every year, every yeah. year. And I was actually recognized for it this past year. They, we have a chamber banquet every year, and it's an awards banquet. And I was nominated for Citizen of the Year, and I actually won that. Wow, man. That was very rewarding. Congratulations. But, I, you know, I tell people, you know, I give, but I get it back 10 times. Mm. You know, every time I give, I get it back 10 yeah. times. And that's a big lesson I learned. Whenever somebody comes to you with their hand out, right, um, Give, but always give food. Always 
put your food in find ways of get your food into people's mouths right. never donate money always donate food is a lesson yes you know because it's it, it's yeah it's free but think about the impressions you're making yeah right you're 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 putting your food into people's mouths they're you're, they're going to remember you it, it's it's a marketing expense you know um yeah, absolutely. don't i mean i don't want to what, what's what i'm trying to say i don't want to um pull away from what you're doing right because it's obviously very generous but always give food it's the best way to give yeah. and that's what we do we feed people right. stay in your lane yeah. uh, but it will come back to you tenfold yeah. and you can't track it you just have to believe that if you the more you give the more you get the more generous you are the yeah. more you the more you pick up or the more you put down the more you pick up <laughs> the, more, right? the more you put down the more you pick up yeah that's yeah so that, that's kind of a gambling anal- uh, an, uh, analogy but it's true it's true in life you know yeah. and I, I told them you know, when you win the award, you got to get up there and speak, which yeah. was never, never a strength of mine. But I've, I've gotten <laughs> You're doing better. great. Thank you. <laughs> I, I gotten better at it mostly yeah. because of this group and and uh, Fred's Fred's brother uh, came and spoke to us one time. He's a very successful real estate guy in San Diego, and he was talking about you know getting out of your comfort zone. And for me to to head the, to be the chairman of the board and have to speak at luncheons and awards banquets and way out of my comfort zone, way out of my comfort zone. But I had my wife record the speech I gave when I accepted the award. I was like, wow, dude, you're actually pretty good at this now. <laughs> you know, so, you know, yeah. you got to get out of your comfort zone. And one of the things I said when I accepted the award is that if you can, you should. Yeah. You know, if you can, you should. So when people ask and I can, I do it. Yeah. You know, and, you know, you get a lot of requests and some of them, are, you know, cities that are 20 miles away wow. and I, you know, I don't, I don't really get involved with them, but yeah. I try to support the school district, the chamber, you know, your community. Yeah. My community. I love it. Cause yeah. I, get, I get so much back, you know, mm-hmm. my, my business has grown. Uh, I don't even know where it came from, but post obviously COVID year, you, you flush down the toilet. They don't, you don't even count that. Yeah. But, I don't even try to talk about it. Anymore, yeah. Right? Pre COVID. I, my best year was 5.4 million. Uh, 2021 is 6.4 million. Wow. So a, a million dollars in growth in one year. Yeah. And, you know, not some of that was price increase, but not a lot of <laughs> I it. I think a lot of people are thirsty after, you know, not yes. being able to get out and socialize. Well, and the sad thing is that we, we do, I don't know, every state's different, but I think the state of Texas, the number was we lost 10% of our restaurants. Wow. So there's fewer places to go. Yeah. And I tell my manager, I think one of the reasons we're so busy still is. I actually have the staff. Yeah. You know, so many restaurants you go in now and it's, it's hard. It's sad. It's difficult. Staffing is really, really tough right now. Uh, but I think the reason we're so busy is because my, my customers know they don't have to have lowered expectations. I don't have closed dining rooms due to lack of staff. I don't have what they call in the industry a false weight, meaning you got open tables, but you're not seating them because you don't have anybody to wait on them. Yeah. So I'm I'm fully staffed. Now I'm paying more overtime than I'd like to pay. Yeah. But my restaurant's full of employees, and when you come in, you can expect the same experience you got pre-COVID, or three decades ago. Yeah, man. I love this. The great conversation. One more quick break to thank our sponsor. And we're gonna be right back to bust out a speed round. Recently on the show, you've been hearing it come up often. Restaurant Systems Pro. If you've become interested, I highly recommend you sign up for the Restaurant System Pro 60-day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, 
will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant Systems Pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant. Fred will be leading the training, supporting you, and holding you accountable. Typically, this costs $10,000 a month to have Fred in your restaurant, but during this no-cost-to-you 60-day training, he will be teaching you every process he does during the group coaching sessions, and nothing will be held back. During the 60 days, Fred will walk you through the Restaurant Systems Pro process and help you crush the following goals recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts in seats, and that's not it. Often, the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. Restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure profitability and restaurant success, especially with this labor shortage. You need to rely and trust technology more than ever before. And dialing in your labor management is one of the most positive, dramatic impacts you can make on your business's bottom line. And when it comes to labor management, Seven Shifts is one of the most, if not the most, organically recommended labor management platforms on the show. Trusted by over 500,000 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the complete toolkit you need to easily manage your team's schedules, timesheets, communication, tasks, tips, and more all from one place. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system you're already using, like Toast, to make smart operating decisions and turn labor management into a competitive advantage for your business. Restaurant Unstoppable members get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. We're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? <laughs> wow. Uh, perseverance. Mm. What is your biggest weakness? Um... Biggest weakness. Uh, my heart's too big. Mm. What is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're growing your team? I've never been good at tests. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm growing my team. Yeah, when you're interviewing, what are you looking for? What are questions are you asking? Well, I'd I have to say this. I, I'm blessed that I haven't. I haven't had to have a lot of interviews because some of my guys have been with me for so yeah. long. Um, they have to be they have to be willing to learn. It's mm, huge. What is one of your biggest challenges today? 
Um, you mentioned something earlier. Um, you have after COVID, you have a new wave of people. You've always had such steady people. Now you're getting in a lot of new blood. Yeah. Um, I guess just maintaining the culture. Yeah. In my restaurant, when you when you hire new people, they they need to understand. How are you overcoming that? Um. My team mostly does that. The guys have been with me for so long. You know, the waiters, they kind of police the new people yeah. and they let, make, make sure they understand, you know, we, this is how we do it. Yeah. This is why we do it. Yeah. I don't really have to get involved. Got it. What is one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team? A core value, a way to be? Um, honest. Mm. And what is one uncommon standard of service? So something that's common within the four walls of your restaurant to go above and beyond what's expected from the guests, but not common throughout the industry. In my business and a lot of business, I think there's, there's not enough attention on service anymore. Mm. So if you're, even if you're just average, you're, you're, you're going to stand out. So we talk about customer service every free shift meeting. And so, talk about, you know, people. When you've been in business as long as I have, I'm sure this is a longer answer than you wanted. You're fine. Um, you, you have a reputation. Uh, been in business 37 years. So a lot of people come in and they have really high expectations because your customers and your communities talked about you. So, oh, you need to go to Asparges. Yeah. And so their expectation level is already raised. And so if you just do average, you're asking for a bad review. Yeah. They are expecting exceptional. Yeah. So be exceptional. What is that? What does that look like? What are, what are people doing to be exceptional? Um, you know, some some of my staff's better than others. Yeah. But, you know, just, you know, you used to worry about back in the day about uh, the, the food critic coming into your restaurant and, and, and writing a review in the paper. Everybody that's got an iPhone or an Android is now a food critic. Yeah. You know, with all the social media. Yeah, they think they are. <laughs> and it, it's probably the worst part of my day yeah. is I go and look at it and I pay a company to help me monitor all my reviews. And Who's I'm, that? Do you know the name? Um, uh, they got bought. Um, they're out of Austin, Texas. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. But they, they all send them to me with what they think I should respond to. Yeah. Then I can either approve that response or I can edit it and change it. Got it. And so, again, most of my reviews are four and five stars, but you do get the one yeah. here and there. And I got a one star the other day. She didn't like my chips and oh my didn't like my dessert. And it's like, is that worth a one star review? Like, is that a one star? She didn't say anything about her entree or my service or my building. <laughs> yeah. The chips. The chips. Yeah. She said they were store bought. Well, Everything comes from somewhere. I didn't get them from Walmart. I didn't grind the freaking corn. Right. Lane. I bought them from the, I bought them from the tortilla company. <laughs> yeah. You know, same way I buy my produce from a produce company. Yeah. So I don't know. Sometimes you just got to let it roll off your back. But. Yeah. People suck. Yeah. Uh, what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? Um, I'm not a big reader, uh, but I would I would say what we talked about earlier is called On the Brink mm-hmm. by Norman Brinker. Yeah who if you read his story, you'll know all the restaurants he's been involved with in his life. He's, he's passed, but he was an incredible story to tell. And like I said earlier, there's a lot of Brinker disciples. I'm not one of them, but there's a lot of Brinker disciples out there that 
runs some of the biggest chains that you know about right now, and they learned their stuff from him. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I have not checked out that book yet. I'm excited to. It's an easy read. It's yeah. in paperback. Is it an audio? Don't know. I'll have to check that out. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurant tours don't do well enough or often enough? Um, I don't know. I, I can only... I can only speak for me and this group I'm in really, you know, they, they do a lot of things really right. Um, I think the people in this business that end up not being successful are, are the ones that don't know how to communicate to their customers. Communicate better with your customers. Yeah. What is one piece of technology you've recently adopted in your restaurants that's had a huge impact on communication, efficiency, profitability, anything along those lines? Well, outside of Restaurant Systems Pro software, which I've been using for a while now, you know, the, the one thing that's changed in our industry, every industry, I guess, is, is technology is always changing mm-hmm. and there's always a new product. And you got to be careful not just to jump on board on everything. Yeah. Um, but outside of Fred's software, which has made a huge impact on my life, um, I went to, uh, for years and years, I had, you know, legal pad wait list and the, and the pagers, you know, the coasters, yeah. it was pagers. And this company approached me a few months ago. It's called Spot On. And they, they do, uh, well, they do reservation and, and, and seating and waitlist management. Now, I don't take reservations, but I use it strictly. It replaced the, the pagers and it replaced the handwritten uh, waitlist. Um, it's a, it's an iPad system, and, and my hostesses use it, and they love it. Um, I think it helps us turn tables faster. Yeah, I think that company reached out to me recently. Did they? And I, I hope they did because they're re- reaching out to be a sponsor. They reached out to me. I think it was to be a sponsor, and I have the, my rules that I won't promote tools or services that aren't organically recommended on the show. So yeah, so thank you. Uh, <laughs> they do. Uh, they do. Uh, for a lot of people, they they their reservation management. I don't use res- I don't do reservations, but. It does help me manage my diners. My restaurant's in an old house. Yeah. And so you can't stand in one spot and see the whole, there's four different dining rooms plus a patio. Uh, so you can't see every table if you're just staying at the front as a hostess. or So we, we've used that, and then that's been probably 10 or 12 years, but I, I started using Motorola uh, headphone uh, radios. And at first, and I stole that from Chili's, by the way. Uh, <laughs> we, we all... Whether you want to say borrow or steal, yeah. we, we all steal from every every yeah. other operator. If we see something that works good. Everything. We're inspired by everybody. That's right. all we do is steal from each other. So I'm sitting at a Chili's one time on the highway on the way back from I don't know where, having lunch with my wife, and I see the manager uh, has headphone on, and then I see somebody else that have a headphone on. And so I asked the bartender, I said, Who all's, who's all wearing the Motorola radios? And she said, well, the expo and the, uh, the manager and, and the bartender, I think. So I went and got four or five of them, and I had all my managers with them. And then now I probably have 30 of them. <laughs> so every, every waiter has one. Yeah, I've had one complaint from a customer, like, you know. It's like the CIA in here. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, you, it's on your ear, but yeah. you're not talking all the time. Yeah. But if a hostess seats table patio table, uh, 
in your section. P12. Yeah. He can say, uh, you know, if we're on rotation or whatever, you know, Jose P12 is yours. Yeah. Or you, you don't got, have to go hunt them down. Right. You're in the kitchen picking up an order for somebody else. Let you, them know they got a new table yeah. set. And you're playing that game where like you're just like walking circles around each other and you can't yes. find them. And then like then something else pops up and you forget to get a hold of them and nobody ever greets the table. It's, yeah. It happens all the time. So I, I, I stole that from Chili's and I shared it with this group and uh, they're not here this weekend, but it, well, there's some girls and uh, ladies in, in, in uh, Auburn, Alabama that have three restaurants and they adopted it and yeah. they talked about how many fewer steps they're taking and how much better their communication is. And that's is. just the Motorola so the Mo- piece yeah. radio? Yeah, I don't even remember the, the model number, but uh, there's several in our group that use them. If you have a big restaurant, um, it, it comes in handy. Um, I'm I, looking it up. I don't. Uh, LS1110, I think, is what it is, Motorola. Um, CHQ. There's a bunch in here. I'll, I'll, try to, I'll show you the pictures, and you can tell me which one they are, mm-hmm. and we'll have a link in the show notes. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're, you if you're running a small restaurant or a low volume restaurant, you probably don't need these. Uh, but if you're running, a, a, again, my restaurant wasn't built to be a restaurant; yeah. it was an old house, and I've added on to it multiple times, and I've got, you know, three hundred and something seats. So, it, it again, communication is really important. So, I try to get my uh, one of my kitchen guys on the line. He just hated it; he didn't want to wear it. But <laughs> if you're working expo. Or if you're waiting tables or bar behind the bar, and then a, a, a bar back, and each each section has one, so they're able to communicate. Now, if you don't speak Spanish, you're not understanding anything. But yeah, yeah. So this is the last question. Are you ready for it? Sure. If you got the news, you're leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for your legacy and for the good of humanity, what would those three pieces of wisdom be? Wow, dude. It's a loaded one. Uh-huh. Uh, live large, love large. One, two. Work hard. Three. This has been so much fun, Steve. Thanks. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, I wrap up every show by calling somebody out. Who do you respect and admire who's still alive <laughs> that you think would be a great guest on the show? Oh, wow. And if you knew there were guests on the show, you'd be listening to that episode. Well, I'm not uh, big on technology. I probably never listened to a podcast, <laughs> but I'm going to start listening to yours. Thank you. Because it's, you know, it's my industry. Yeah. Uh, and you can learn so much from other people so in the industry. Much, um, so I think you've already interviewed quite a few people in my group. A uh, lot of respect for those guys and gals. Um, the girls I mentioned, I say girls, they're, they're my age, but um, they're partners and they have uh, three burger joints in uh, Auburn, Nebraska, College Town. Okay. Not Auburn, Nebraska, Auburn, Alabama. Got it. And they're uh, Auburn, Alabama alums. They have a place called Niffers, Niffers, N-I-F-F-E-R-S. And they are really good operators and huge respect for those girls. Um, you have any names? Yeah. Uh, uh, Keely and Dina. So Keely Beesecker, 
I'm probably not going to. Yeah, first names are fine at Niffers. Keely and Dina. Dina. Yeah. Awesome. Look out, ladies. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. (laughs) And uh, if we were really inspired by your story, if we're motivated by your story, if we have questions about your story, uh, maybe we're interested in the tools or services you recommended today, what's the best way to connect? Uh, You can get me on my email. You can call me on my cell phone. I'm available to anybody, anytime. Uh, You know, one of the greatest greatest things that, that... that I love doing at this point after 37 years of business is, is helping other people being a mentor. Yeah. You know, I had, you know, Brinker international, which is Chili's. They have their headquarters, not far from the restaurant. And they have a group about 10, 12 like area managers and they'll come have lunch at my restaurant, which is big honor, right? Mm -hmm. You have other restaurant people in your restaurant and there's a manager at the one that's closest to my house. And he came to me the other day. He said, I'm thinking about, opening my own place. Can I call you and talk to you? And I said, absolutely, dude. Mm. I'd love to do that. Yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to inspire you to do your own thing. Beautiful. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much, Steve Brown, for taking the time to, to, to join us, to share your story, to share your knowledge. There is no questioning, my man. You are unstoppable. <laughs> my pleasure. Cheers. Thank you so much. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, Steve Brown, for coming on, sharing your story. And man, the numbers you pull at your restaurant are just so impressive. Over a million dollars of sales from margaritas alone. And um, I, I love this story because it's a testament of what systems, processes, and procedures can do in really getting control over your numbers and tracking your numbers, uh, powerful stuff. And, uh, he did this with restaurant systems pro. I mean, it's not enough to have a passion for hospitality, to be a people person, to care for your community. All that stuff is so important, but if you are not paying attention to your numbers, if you are a people dependent operation, not a system dependent operation, you'll never be able to squeeze out of your business what you could do if you just had some systems and processes. It's powerful stuff. And Steve Brown's story is proof of that. So if you're interested in taking your business to the next level and you want your business to be a system dependent operation that you put amazing people into, then I highly recommend you head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash R S P for restaurant systems pro, or you can head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash nine seventeen and find the link in the show notes. And if you guys sign up for restaurant systems pro, uh, they're going to help me out. They are going to shoot me $500 uh, to support this mission, to inspire, empower and transform the industry. But more importantly, you're going to help yourself out. And it's a, it's, it's a, an expense that's worth absorbing for the long run because you will make your money back so fast. Uh, it's powerful stuff. And uh, it was a, a lot of fun to collaborate with Restaurant Systems Pro to, to head out to this mastermind and to see the community involved with the software. I highly recommend you guys be a part of this. And special thanks to Fred Langley for your support of the podcast. And uh, it's really a lot of fun to support what you're doing over RSP. So if you guys are finding value in this podcast, you want more episodes like this, then please continue to give us your support. You can support our sponsors. You can use our affiliate links. You can share this podcast with everybody and anybody you know, and you can come hang out in Restaurant Unstoppable Network. Plus, we have the YouTube channel. We're growing youtube.com slash restaurant unstoppable. That's it for today. Thank you so much. Until next time. Peace out.